BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If there's one thing hockey players learn early, you got to play the person with the puck first. It's how to defend against a power play. They're threatening to take away their generosity if they don't get their way. A wealthy donor is promising to kick more than 170 children out of a public school ice rink unless he gets what he wants. An individual who wants to um, control a situation, who is used to having control of situations. The school district wants to stay out of the fight. This is between two private entities. But with just days until hockey season begins, the question remains if Arrowhead youth hockey will be frozen out. Are you willing to put this season at risk for our children in order to get what you want. Um, like I've said before, we're, we're here for the kids. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm here once again with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, August 11th for release on Thursday, August 12th. And it's not often we talk about youth hockey on this podcast, but there is quite a controversy over in Heartland right now. It could cost a bunch of kids their upcoming season. So, Brian, what's going on, and how did an investigative reporter get involved in a youth hockey issue. Well, it started the way a lot of our stories do. Sometimes it's just a viewer tip, right? And this was a parent who was concerned who reached out to the investigators and said, look, this youth hockey club that my kid's a part of, it looks like they're going to be locked out of their school's ice rink for the upcoming season. I say their school, it's technically not. It's actually the high school. Arrowhead High School is its own school district, and these kids all go to the feeder schools that will eventually, they will eventually go to Arrowhead High School. But it's a public school ice rink, and they're being told they couldn't rent ice at the rink anymore, and their season really begins in just a few days. It's August 15th. This is going to be published on the 12th. We did the story last week, so they're literally days away. They, they get a letter from an attorney that says, you can't have ice at this rink anymore. And, and the question is why, and that's what really got me intrigued. The person who wrote to me said that there was a, a wealthy donor who had been very generous not only to the youth hockey organization, but to the Arrowhead Union High School District for many, many years. And now they were kind of throwing their weight around. They have uh, obviously a, a lot of skin in the game because of the money they've donated to the program and to the school. And they decided that they wanted to take over Operation of the entire youth hockey program. It's important to know this is a nonprofit. It's not part of the school district. It's a youth hockey association, a 501c3. It's got a nine-member board run mostly by parents whose kids are in the program, and they are their own entity. But now you had this sort of outside donor saying, we want you to give up complete control of your organization to us. And why did they want that complete control? Was it a, a power trip or was there something more to that? Well, and that was really what intrigued me is what would, you know, as an investigative reporter, my first thought was, I don't know if this sounds like a television news investigation necessarily, but I really am intrigued by what's going on behind the scenes here. Because on the one hand, 
Arrowhead as a district and this youth hockey club, they're lucky to have someone with a lot of money who's willing to throw their money behind a youth hockey program and behind the high school hockey team. And so way back in 1997 or 1998, um, the family, the mullet family, and and there's already been one or two jokes about the the word mullet being associated with hockey. uh, But this is actually the mullet family. Howard mullet, uh, Howard G. Mullet years ago was the chairman of uh, Bradley Corporation. And uh, he, his son, Don, decided to donate money to Arrowhead or actually donate an ice rink to Arrowhead High School back in the late 90s. Um, and he had them name it after his father, Howard G. Mullins, who had been a huge supporter of youth sports and particularly youth hockey. So at the time that this donation was made, there were no real strings attached. It was, look, we believe in the program. We believe in youth hockey. Here's this great ice rink, and and I want my father's name on it. The school district accepted that, and over the years, the district operated this ice rink. But public schools don't often have their own ice rinks, and they aren't necessarily in the business of running ice rinks and all of the upkeep that goes with it and the youth hockey programs and selling ice time and concessions. So the district, after a while, realized this is an awful lot for us, and when there's budget shortfalls, we don't want it to take away from school programs. So around 2016... They said uh, to the, the, the to the mullet family, they said, look, you take this over from us. We want you to operate this. And, and it's still going to be our building. We'll still be responsible for the sort of the big upkeep and dollars and things. But you run the operations day to day. So they ultimately signed over the control of the operations of the facility to a company called HGM Ice, which uh, HGM Howard G. Mullet essentially is a, an organization run by the Mullet family. So the district owns the building. The Mullet family Correct. is in charge of the operations. So now you have a case where kids in the district are being told they potentially can't practice in a district-owned building. Again, the, the tricky part here is whether you count, the, count them as kids in the district. The high school team has absolute rights under this agreement between the school district and HGM ICE. The high school hockey team has first priority for this building. The youth organization is a feeder program. They have all the kids ranging from age, I don't know what it goes down to. And that's why it's a 501c3. Right. And so so they have the kids who will eventually become the high school hockey players who play a, what is effectively club hockey through the USA Hockey Program. And uh, the Wisconsin... I, I, I right off the top of my head, WAHA, W-A-H-A is a Wisconsin Hockey Association. Um, I'm not exactly sure the full acronym, but they operate within USA Hockey. So these are kids who play club hockey and they travel around and they play other teams with other clubs in the state and in the region. And they will eventually become the kids who most likely will play for Arrowhead High School. But technically, they're not in the district because Arrowhead is one of those uh, situations where the high school is its own distinct district and the other schools belong to something else. But effectively, they live in the same geographic area. They will eventually go to Arrowhead High School. And yes, they're being told that they may not be able to play hockey this year, at least not at the arena where their club has called home for, for many, many years. And the question really came down to, you asked earlier, why? Like, what's this all about? And that was, again, I think one of the intriguing questions. What was this all about? And it turns out there is a power struggle going on for control of this youth hockey organization. And the Mullet family, well, they have a lot of influence because they have the money and and the the backing of the donations they've provided to the school over the years. And why does the Mullet family, why, why 
want control over and I'm not trivializing youth hockey I know it's probably it's really important to the to the families I have several brothers who played youth hockey but why does the guy who's operating this facility want control over how things are done over there well, and that's one of the big questions that it's not it wasn't entirely clear through this process, or at least the, the the board members from the Youth Hockey Association said they weren't entirely clear what the Mullet family is after here. And and there's a third mullet involved, and that's Brian Mullet, who is the current CEO of Bradley Corporation, and obviously Howard G. Mullet's grandson, Don Mullet's son. A lot um, of mullets. There's a, there's a lot it's so it's a family that's invested in youth hockey and obviously a big player in the community. And they uh Back in May, proposed some changes to the youth hockey program, uh, and the proposal had a title. It was called Project Champion. And there were 18 or more bullet points listed in here as to what they wanted to do to, to overhaul and upgrade the program. One of the big things they said was they wanted to add paid coaches. The coaches now are mostly volunteer parent coaches who you can imagine are invested for a period of time and then their kids grow up and then they get they move on to other things so there's a lot of turnover so the mullet family's concern was look we've been around for years even generations but we see all these parents turning over all the time we want some more stable leadership Um, they wanted to add paid coaches to up the competition level but the cost of that according to their proposal was the a and b levels would get these paid coaches and a higher level of competition potentially the C-level players, these are your more recreational young kids who are just giving hockey a try. They would no longer have outside games with other clubs. They would only play what was called a house league. So they would just play games within their own rink, and that would be the end of it. And for a lot of parents, you can imagine that was not viewed it very favorably. They felt their kids loved to travel. They loved to play these games. It's it's really exciting for them, even if they're not maybe at the highest of skill level. So there was a general sense that the Mullets wanted to up the competition level. They wanted to win more championships in the, with these clubs, and they wanted to do it through uh, paid coaches. But the sticking point came with one additional feature, because the AYHA, which is the Arrowhead Youth Hockey Association, they said they were on board with the idea of paid coaches, and they were certainly more than willing to accept any donations that would go toward that. What they objected to was the other string in this proposal, which was that the board be reduced from nine members to five, and most importantly, that HGM Ice, controlled by the Mullet family, would have three of those positions on the board, effectively giving them full control of the Youth Hockey Association and taking that control away from the members who are the parents, obviously, with kids in the program. And it does make me wonder, you know, are we getting more to the philosophical question here of what defines success in youth sports, right? Because a lot of what you were describing seemed to focus with the proposed changes seem to focus a lot on winning championships and and making sure they're winning enough games. And then you have parents in the story saying, that's not how we necessarily define success. It's a way to define success, but for us, that's not the be-all and the end-all. And to me, that question about how you define that success in youth sports is what makes this story universally appealing, interesting to people who are maybe not directly involved in this conflict. I definitely think that's what gives it appeal. If you you don't have a kid who goes to Arrowhead or will eventually go there, maybe you don't care about this story. But there there were some real universal truths in this, which is that question of just how much influence and power does money provide? Uh, and, And also, what is important about youth sports? Is it just winning? Or is it 
friendships and and te- learning teamwork and growth and development. And the one board member that I interviewed, Josh Fink, who's actually a parent of uh, or a coach of the girls hockey team, one of the girls hockey teams, you know, he said it, it's it's not just about winning. Not that it's not about winning, but that it's about many of these other things as well. And that's not their only focus. And interestingly enough, he's he he's a coach of the girls team in the proposal labeled Project Champions, there was no real mention of what would happen with the girls' program. It was sort of an oversight. And ultimately, the Mullet family responded by saying, yeah, you're right, that should be worked in there, we'll, we'll, we'll add that in. Oh, we'll work the girls in there, great. Many of the people with the group thought the girls just seemed like an oversight. And, and if you're focused on the highest level of competition in boys' sports and you just want to win championships there, maybe it would be easy to overlook girls' hockey. But obviously there are a lot of girls in that program who uh, and, and I watched a practice. I mean, they they were really, uh, you know, really into what they were doing and getting some uh, what seemed like uh, you know excellent coaching. I, I'm not a hockey player, but uh, certainly a, a, an athlete all my life and, and a sports fan. They certainly seemed to be engaged in what they were doing. So again, though, I step back and I say, as an investigative news report, is it really my place to get involved if there's a power struggle between a a youth hockey club and, and one of their wealthy donors. But there's a third player here, and this is where I think it really enters a, a new level, which is the Arrowhead Union High School District owns this facility. And after the the attempt by the Mullets to take over control of the youth hockey board was rebuffed, the Youth Hockey Association said thanks, but no thanks. A letter arrived from an attorney at Foley and Lardner on behalf of HGM ICE that said, doesn't look like we're going to be able to rent you ICE this year. You didn't go along with the proposal, so you don't have a place to play. And that meant, effectively, 170 kids aren't going to have anywhere to play hockey this year because it's not like you can just go out and rent ice for the rest of the season at some other local arena. They have programs they feed as well. So this is where they can play, and if they don't have ice, it could mean an end to their season. But it's a rink they're being kicked out of that's owned by Arrowhead High School. So I wanted to know, and funded by what tax is the school dollars, board doing? Right? Funded by tax. Well, that's a good question. A lot of the funding has obviously come from this private organization and is funded by, for instance, Arrowhead Youth Hockey. The the fees they pay to rent the ice at this facility go to help support the facility itself. Um, I don't know how much in terms of tax dollars has come from the school district to support it, but certainly there's been some at times over the years. Either way, it's owned by a school board and the school board contracts out the operation uh, to HGM ICE, they have the legal authority to end that contract if they don't like what's being done. So my question was, school district, Superintendent Laura Mira, how do you feel about 170 kids who will eventually attend your high school if they stay in the and district? be part of your team. Uh, and be a part of your team. How do you feel about them being kicked out of your rink? And do you plan to do anything about it? The immediate response I got was, well, this isn't really between us. This is a look. We gave up control of the arena to HGM ICE. This is between them and the Youth Hockey Association. I requested a copy of the contract, and in that contract, it is clear that they've given up complete control of the operation. They didn't just say, "Please run it for us." They effectively said, "You have unlimited control over what to do with this place." Um, but the district does have the ability to end that contract if they don't like it. They can give 30 days notice and, and yank the contract. The question is, does the district really have an appetite for that? After all, the Mullet family has not only been generous donors to youth hockey, 
They've been generous donors to Arrowhead High School. And so this is one of those situations, Josh Fink used the term in the story, is this a question of you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you? And it may well be something that makes it an uncomfortable spot for the school district to be in, is how hard do we come down on the Mullet family who've been these generous donors and, and uh, you know, just so wonderful for that school district and that community then again, what do we do to stand up for these kids who may no longer have a place to play? And who are, like you mentioned, feeding into our district. What's our responsibility to taxpayers and to our future students and families? What's our responsibility to the people who we've entrusted to, to run this facility? Uh, did you get any additional clarity or answers from any of the board members besides, hey, this isn't our problem right now? Well, it was interesting during the course of my reporting on this and before the story aired, there was a school board meeting. It was actually a building and grounds subcommittee or a building and grounds committee. Um, and Don Mullet was uh, on the agenda to speak about the ice rink. And when all of this sort of took on its life after that threatening letter from the attorney saying you're not going to be able to rent ice this year, media attention gets involved. And, and next thing you know, a bunch of parents show up at this small building and grounds committee meeting. And there's Don Mullet giving a presentation to the board members. And, and he made the case for why he felt uh, HGM Ice should take over this youth hockey association and why they wanted to win more championships and and, and have paid coaches and so on. Um, and, and many of the parents showed up and, and they're sort of maybe outside of the usual uh, uh, rules of order at a, at a board meeting. Parents started to speak up and there was a, a back and forth discussion. Ultimately, one of the board members who's off camera says, you know, you're in danger here of losing the hockey season. You could you can kiss goodbye if they don't come to an agreement. So the board ultimately said, you guys need to get together. And when I say you guys, meaning the mullets, the the association, you all need to get together and sit down and, and sort this out for the betterment of the kids. Um, and, and after that meeting, Superintendent Mira did reach out to me and said, we're aware of this controversy and we are encouraging the two sides to sit down and come up with a resolution uh, that, that's in the best interest of the kids. Now, that was last last week when they said this, and here it is. We're recording this on Wednesday, August 11th. I've not heard of any agreement. The uh, the letter threatening uh, to not uh, rent ice to the team uh, said it would be effective August 15th. That's in four days. This podcast airs or will be released on the 12th. So it'll be three days away, and I've not heard that they've come to an agreement. The question is, what happens if they don't? And it seems at this point, it may well be that the Youth Hockey Association has nowhere to play. What was your big takeaway from the story? I know, I mean, you have kids who've been involved in youth sports. You yourself grew up, you know, playing sports. But besides that interest, I know there there was a journalistic piece in this that called out to you. Well, there, there's, I think what really stood out to me was You've got a lot of adults here squabbling over something, and, and there's a real power play over control of something that in the end is for a bunch of kids. And as a parent with kids in youth sports, as a coach of youth sports, not hockey, but a coach myself, uh, you know, sometimes the adults can make things hard when it's really all supposed to be all about the kids. And, and I can't say if the mullets are right here. I can't say if the Youth Hockey Associ Association is right. What I do know is we're a few days away from a bunch of kids who are excited about playing hockey this year, and, and those kids may not have a place to play it. You would hope for their sake, that these sides can come to some kind of an agreement. But obviously, when there's control, when there's money involved, when there's uh, an eagerness to see uh, maybe an improvement in competition, um, you know, it's it's not always easy for the adults to agree. I think the it, there's one other element, though, which is when you're a public school district, 
and someone's willing to donate you a really big thing, be careful what you wish for because there do come strings attached. And it may not have seemed like that up front, but it now seems like there is. And suddenly Arrowhead High School and their school board members and their superintendent are involved in a public controversy they want nothing to do with. All right, this is the part of the podcast where we go off the record. We are getting a little more personal, having a little more fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. Executive producer Sarah Smith is here to ask us said question. Sarah, we missed you last week. No offense, Dave. Dave was great. Oh, but- Dave was great. Um, I think it was more funny. Um, I, a couple days later, heard what the question was because I actually said something to Amanda that was on Dave's list of things that he hates. Well, no, it was Jason. I, it was Jason. Or Jason. You guys, no, you guys, I have I, I, on on my on my camping trip to Ohio. I was gone for three days. I'm telling. I don't know if it's you become hyper aware of something that someone's brought up, or if it just happened. But I must have heard it is what it is twenty <laughs> times. That's exactly what I said. Especially after a tree branch. <laughs> A tree branch yep. fell on my car yep. and caused $4,700 in damage on this camping trip. And my friend who was there said, well, it is what it is. And I was like, no, no, it's not what it is. Anyway. And of course, Jason's too polite to point out whenever anyone else uses it. So we have to be mean on I his just, behalf. Uh, I said it and Amanda goes, oh, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> she, she like looked at me with that disappointing mom look. I was like, what you know did what I say? I've realized, though, that the, the, it's the, part of why I think that's so popular is it says a lot in just a few words because the alternative is what, like, well, I guess we'll just have to accept that then. You know, I mean, <laughs> so you just go, it is what it is, and that's an easy way of saying, I suppose I shouldn't complain too much. After all, no one was injured by the branch. You just say it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So many it's words. Over. Yeah, I mean, it just, it is what it is. Okay, so speaking of what it is, um, the question for this week. So I had one lined up, but then I read it again, like, before I logged in here, and I was like, mm, I don't like it very much. Um, so I'm pulling one out of my hat. So here we go. I'm back to food. Like, oh, man, I love hat. food. I've, hat. I didn't yeah, think oh, no, you said hat, and I thought, man, this. I know this is a podcast, but come on now. Anyway, no, no, come on. My hat, H-A-T. Okay, so the question for this week is, you can banish one condiment from the universe forever. What are you banishing? One condiment forever. This one is easy for me. This one is super easy then for me. Then go ahead. You do you. What Relish. do you got? Relish gone. All kinds relish of relish out. I don't need relish. Any, any kind of pickle relish. I, no, I relish. No, it's it's completely unnecessary. It looks like baby snot, and I just can't <laughs> handle it. I love pickles, but relish is. I would agree. Like, but, blech, I don't need it. It's like juicy and weird and liquidy. Blech. As someone who is currently spending a lot of time with baby snot, I would have to agree with Brian's assessment. But I really, I'm not a mayonnaise person. Like. Ooh. I'm not a mayonnaise you and, person. You and Madison, my daughter, not going to yeah. see eye to eye on this. She uh, wants to put mayo on everything. She, she'll she dip french fries in mayo. Madison was um, at our house watching our kids once, and like we brought out lunch, and she asked if we had mayo. And I said <laughs> no, and I felt her deep disappointment in me. So I, I weirdly, Brian, I knew that. But no, I... Did you bring out relish just to rub it in you? <laughs> But I'm not a big relish. Okay, so I'm I'm not big on either one. Um, I don't like sweet relish, but like there are other I I like other forms of relish. 
Mayonnaise, I'll every once in a while in a recipe, I'll need it. So like there is currently some in our fridge. That's why I hesitate to permanently ban it. But I've never like been like, oh man, I wish that had more may-. mayonnaise. If there's too much of it, I am like actively gagging. I think it's disgusting. I don't think I've ever been disgusted <laughs> by relish the way I am by mayonnaise. So it's it's a tough call for me. I might have to go with with relish. I can't wait to hear how our resident foodie answers this question. Well, you know, in the same vein, I love mayo. I mean, mix it with whatever, dips on sandwiches, ketchup. Like, I'm an extra mayo. Egg Mm, salad. Literally any salad. Like, shoe leather salad would be good with mayo. But the one thing that I think can just go bye-bye is Miracle Whip. That stuff is trash. Well, that's, yeah, that's like bad mayo, It's like sweet. It's like like weird. It's like mayo and, like, Honey had a baby, and it Miracle Whip came. <laughs> so, no, I'm good. Now imagine if something had, like, relish and Miracle Whip. Blech. No, no. I, I might have to go relish, because I'm trying to think of any time I've needed relish on something, and I haven't. I've made a couple things that required mayonnaise, but you couldn't taste the mayonnaise. I feel like Miracle Whip was was never good. It just had really good marketing like I mean, like because when you say it, immediately what I hear in my head is hamburger ketchup, <laughs> hamburger miracle whip, and everyone looks. And it was I, I just remember that commercial, but I I, I never really particularly liked. Miracle it has a great whip. name. It just tastes like armpit. So I don't. <laughs> I a, mean, don't come at me, miracle a very whip lovers. Specific but <laughs> description. That's not part of their next campaign. I, no, no. But I also me. I don't like ketchup. What? I don't enjoy Ke- ketchup. Ketchup is fine. I'm. It's fine. I don't. Of course, I, it's I don't fine. Have so, it's it's good with f- like to dip fries in. That's fine. I don't seek it out. You know what my favorite condiment is? Because you didn't ask this, but we're probably going to talk about it. My favorite condiment right now is uh, it's uh, chipotle aioli mayo. They have that. It, it's. I think it's a craft thing. I don't know if it's craft or not. I think it's craft. Anyway, I that stuff is so good. It's almost like Frank's Red Hot. I'll put that bleep on anything. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I, I dip, you know, if we have chicken tenders, I'll put that in it. I'll put it on sandwiches. Uh, it has replaced my, my old ketchup and mustard. It's the best. Wow. Eh, yellow mustard's also kind of trash, but I mean. <laughs> Dijon, though. Yeah. Oh, Dijon, Dijon and stone or like a ground spicy ground mustard. Yeah. Stone ground. That's, that's stone ground outstanding. Yes, but that yellow stuff can just go. Um, do you keep your ketchup? This is like bouncing back to an old podcast Ooh, off the record. yeah. Where do you keep your ketchup? Amanda? I like it in the fridge. It's in the fridge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mine's It probably not, doesn't need to be in the fridge, but... I, I, I Wait, mean, did we talk about this yeah, already? Yeah, we have. I feel, okay, okay. Yeah, you we, keep the, yours just There was just a question about um, you had to take out or, like, not have one condiment in your fridge for a whole year or something like that. Can you tell it? I'm like, all food questions. They get people talking. I was going to say, I didn't realize it's our second condiment question. <laughs> oh, wow. sorry. Well, I'm gonna. Start, I'm just gonna study. The, I'm gonna start studying the condiments that I have, so what I'm do prepared I love? for the next open record question. Well, you don't realize the stuff you don't like usually use until someone else is at your house and they request right. it. So like we oh, don't. Yeah, and then you're like, Ugh. we don't use sugar in a lot of things. Like I don't really bake. Um, I don't. I don't use it really in my cooking. I don't put it in my coffee. So whenever I need it for something, it's like, oh, this is not anywhere in the in the vicinity. Same with mayo. You just you don't realize until someone comes over and asks for it. 
Well, you've done it again, Sarah. Great question. Uh, and, and folks, if you are listening and there is a question, uh, if there's a condiment you'd like us to discuss <laughs> yes. in our off the record or investigate or, or any other or investigate. any other question you would like. Yeah. So we could investigate like sauces. We can eat the sauces. Anyway. Okay. Oh, that would be like the actual. <laughs> that's we what can't I'm really saying. do that over Zoom. That's why we need to get back <laughs> yeah, in person. Yeah, that's fair. Taste test. If there's a question you'd like to submit for our off the record segment, a topic you'd like us to discuss in the podcast, an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to Fox 6 Investigators at fox.com. That is Fox, the number six investigators at fox.com. Sarah, as always, thank you for your insightful question. And thank you to everyone else who makes this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and Suzanne Barthel. Please subscribe to Open Record. If you haven't done that already, you can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. With that, I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back next week. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.